Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers. I am your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet Raphael Stendel Preston. Raphael is probably best known as the lead singer, guitarist, and lyricist for the Canadian rock band Braids, but she also has a side project named Blue Hawaii. In Braids, she's known for making very artistic, somewhat experimental art rock. In Blue Hawaii, she and her bandmate Alex create very dancey, groovy, fun pop music. In this chat, Raphael and I talk a bit about both of those bands and both of the worlds she inhabits within each one. We talk about her writing process and what it's like to perform on stage, as well as what it's like to be a musician right now during the coronavirus. We also get a little bit sidetracked in a political discussion, but it was really fun. Now, fair warning, there is a little bit of an audio issue as her quarantine cabin has a little bit of a spotty internet connection. But if you bear with us, I think you'll find that it's a fun, engaging, and interesting conversation. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting Raphael Standel Preston. cool yeah and you can hear there's a there's a very serious dance influence on this project um very serious yeah you guys have always been you know you've always been leaning that way you've always been sort of i in my mind sort of an electronic duo but um this mixtape and then the last album open reduction internal fixation kind of i feel like you've been leaning a little bit more in that direction lately um, yeah, has, sure. has that been purposeful? Like you're just trying to dance more? <laughs> yeah, actually this, uh, I was doing an interview the other day uh, with, with Loverboy magazine from Barcelona and uh, I was just talking, I, I guess I was like reminiscing about how um, I was like improperly diagnosed and like improperly medicated. Um, and, and yeah, it was like the only thing that really lifted me up was just like going to the studio. Once I'd kind of, you know, tapered off some meds, uh, taken a little bit of weed gummies, <laughs> and gotten myself back on track um, naturally. But yeah, it was like, it was so important for my soul. And I would just go to the studio and, you know, we were having to work remotely. Um, I'd had a lot of, I'd had all my tours canceled, um, Mm -hmm. my other band braids. And, uh, and then Alex was stuck in Berlin, had flights canceled to Montreal. And so, yeah, we just sent stuff back and forth and it was so, it was so joyous and and so liberating. And we just. Your audio cut out again. (laughs) Yeah. There you are. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've seen in the I've seen in the um, I guess the press materials that you've described it as your most like joyous recording, and and I think that um definitely comes through. Cool. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, it would be weird if if people felt really sad listening to it. <laughs> I would be no, surprised. I know. No, it's 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 very very dancey. It's very house influenced. It, I don't know how anyone would. Yeah, but sadness, sad. sadness lurks everywhere, you know, sometimes it's you're true. having a bad day. A bad <laughs> well, I mean, even, 
even with braids, I mean, you have some songs that, you know, have a good groove or beat or dancey groove to it, but mm -hmm. braids lyrically tends to be a little more serious, I would say. Sorry, what tends to the be? The lyrics tend to be more serious, but the groove is more dancey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, yeah, you can't write about roses and flowers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is that just sort of, was that sort of the engine behind... I guess we should say the name of it, Under One House, the upcoming uh, mixtape. Was that the engine behind it or what were some of the other sort of fueling um, themes of, behind it? Because I, I think I read that you recorded it or wrote it at least quite a while ago. Uh, yeah, we wrote it actually quite quickly again. Um, it was like in, uh, started in October of last year, just like in a, a session that when Alex came to Montreal, when we were getting ready for our... Sure. US tour and UK and Europe tour and then we took some of the songs on tour and then um and then yeah COVID hit in March and uh, that's when that's when we started to like really flesh out the recordings of them after having done them live on stage in the fall time. Is that a common um tactic that you guys typically do like you'll test stuff on the road before you record it. no because we don't tend to tour that often um mm. we're definitely like very much a studio project and and like touring is like a a really uh lucky element when we get it but yeah mm. on this one we got to play it live so i remember our last show was in paris in a sweaty basement <laughs> or was that the last one no new york oh new york yeah right was it also a sweaty basement no, but it was really, really fun. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really fun. So that must be interesting then. So you don't get to tour too often um, with Blue Hawaii. So then to get to tour and try all these sort of new songs out, was it was it fun or sort of like a new way to look at these songs, getting, getting to play them to a new audience? Like they had never heard them before. Like it was almost as though they knew some of the drops, I think because we were being a little bit more obvious um, as to like where, you know, where things were going to were going to drop, like particularly in, uh, you know, the song, let it be us. We have just like this huge vocal build. And then I go into this really crazy, let it be us, like vocal part. And, and, and people were like, yeah, you know, they're like, I know that I know you're going there. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm going there. <laughs> so that, yeah, that was really fun. And yeah, I just think that the songs kind of more obviously like led people into moments that they could like grasp onto. It wasn't that like weird. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know a whole lot about the backstory of Blue Hawaii. Does Blue Hawaii predate Braids or did they kind of come about at the same time? It kind of predates Braids in terms of like when we first released our record because um, everybody was in university. I didn't go um, and we were all in Montreal and I was just kind of like bumming around, meeting people, going to parties, making music in my my bedroom and uh, I met Alex. So yeah, the, the band was really busy at the time. Like they were all, you know, doing the first year of their undergraduate degree. Um, and we ended up releasing a record called Blooming Summer uh, before um, Braid's first record, Native Speakers. So, mm. yeah, like Braid's, Braid's has been around since I was like, I think we started the band when I was 17, but oh, Blue wow. Hawaii beat Braid's to the first record release. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so then Blue Hawaii, did it just kind of come naturally from when you met Alex or was it sort of just like this sort of like kismet scenario? Yeah, it was quite kismet. It was like a venue that he ran with his brother called Lab Sintas, like pretty important, like DIY Montreal institution <laughs> back in like 2009 I guess was that back when? 2009 and yeah he's working the door and I came in in like a really crappy snowsuit I didn't really know how to be fashionable yet I was coming <laughs> from Alberta and everybody was so fashionable there it was so crazy and um and I know I noticed Alex at the door and he noticed me and we you know we just had like this moment where we like just locked eyes and kind of flirted a little bit and then yeah yeah we ended up becoming like I, I lived not too far away I lived down the street and we just spent a lot of time together and we started recording and then we started dating and you know we lived together for for a long time and dated for a long time and and now don't date but are our best friends and mm -hmm. yeah I mean I feel like the albums have almost sort of charted that story you just told us <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know because that is something that comes up you know as I'm sure you probably are aware that comes up a lot in the coverage of your albums because yeah. it is so you guys um are so I don't want to say transparent but you're very honest about the story between you two and then you just sort of use that and channel it into each album and you can kind of see the whole progression for sure yeah we're pretty Casper about it all <laughs> <laughs> and yeah um, Raphael, are you the sole lyricist in Blue Hawaii or does Alex write lyrics with you as well? I am the sole lyricist, yes. Okay. In, in both in all my projects. Okay. I, I don't want I don't want to sing somebody else's lyrics. I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you both work on the music then? We do, yes. Okay. Alex. Oh, you cut out again. Sorry. Can you hear me? <laughs> Now I can hear. I don't know what okay. it is, but I you it's, it comes and goes. It's the internet connection. It's the internet connection. Um, but yeah, Alex is more of like the heavy-handed producer. Like, definitely does the beats. Um, sometimes he'll present a, a pretty like already made song. Um, it really switches back and forth. Like, I'll you know for some songs I'll do all the bass lines and the synths. For other songs he'll do all of that. But Alex is definitely like the genius in terms of um, just like knowing knowing how to like what synth to use how to use it what drum fill to use how to use it and I'll I'll be like you know really expressive with him and and be like hey yeah I'd really like to use to do this and this and this and have this drop here and have this pull out and then have this filter in and um he's just like okay and just and just does <laughs> it and it's it's way better than than what it is I've said so <laughs> that's very like wizardry of him <laughs> he is kind of like a wizard agor where'd you go do you know i can do the interview i feel i'm just talking at. <laughs> do you want to not do you want to talk? Talk, talk you want me to talk, yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. okay i'm talking I'm here, I'm here for both of you whoever wants to talk agor is gonna <laughs> do his thing go do your thing Ag. i got i got this on lockdown <laughs> we're in lockdown yeah lockdown on lockdown <laughs> um yeah so okay so if you are then the sole lyricist for both, then I can ask you this anyway. So then how do you, or even do you, delineate a Blue Hawaii song from a Braids song? Uh, I think that, hmm, Braids is quite serious. Um, Blue Hawaii really isn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of the first thing. Also, like, 
for me, the it's so important to feel the energy of others and to incorporate the energy and the spirit that others bring um, one another. You know, there's Austin and Taylor and Alex in this project. So this one also, like with Blue Hawaii, it's just so heavily... Um, it's so referential for me and I, and I really love that, you know, where I like, I'll study something like again and again and again, like I'll, I'll like study, you know, how a Whitney Houston vocal is sampled or how like Todd Terhey samples like Dolly guitar sounds and, and then, you know, figure out kind of how to do that. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's kind of like a, I, I tend to study more in, in Blue Hawaii and, and reference a lot more than I do in, in braids. So braids maybe is more like um, automatic almost, like you just kind of let it out as opposed to studying and trying to maybe have a specific end result. Um, for me, I'm kind of like a first take, second take wonder. Like I really, if I don't get it, it's not, it's not good. Like I'm not gonna hash things out. I have hashed things out in the past with braids like where on our first record you know I did 500 takes of certain songs oh wow yeah just grueling shit um but now it's like yeah just just get it out um and I I find that the studying that I do is really on my own time you know like when I'm going for a run or or listening to music at home and and putting stuff on um that I'm kind of yeah I'm just paying attention to and studying um, but everything is very, very immediate uh, in both projects and, and more so in Blue Hawaii. Like it's so fast. Like we've, you know, we've, we've had three recording sessions here and we've probably written like 30 something. So. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. good. There's a certain, um, I guess there's like a certain honesty in that approach too, though, because For you get sure. that immediate, that immediate result that immediate product of whatever it is that you're channeling at that moment exactly yeah it's like you don't want to massage it too much because it starts to lose um its essence and I think that like the energy that it just naturally holds Mm. when you first put on the page so are you typically like a lyrics first songwriter or do you let other music elements come into the fold first uh like today for instance we did um I kind of like referenced Moonlight Sonata (laughs) by Beethoven like the da 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 you know that line so we did that on like a we did that on like a synth did a string sound and then we did sub bass and then I did a acoustic guitar line and then we got a loop going and we changed it into three four instead of four four uh, so we got like a little bit of a swing going and then I just wrote some lyrics really fast and then I sang them. So it was like, uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. Some I, I used to sing in gibberish and I don't really, I don't really do that anymore, but sometimes you have to sing in gibberish. Like if you hear a line and you just don't have the right words. Yeah. Just to preserve the melody. Yeah. Do you make music as well? Cause I feel like you're very intuitive in terms of how you're talking about music. I do. I mean, I do for myself, mostly. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I've been um, making music for a few years, so I, I'm interested in this kind of thing. <laughs> sick, sick. <laughs> um, and I am a very lyric-centered person. I feel like for mm-hmm. myself, I have, I have a little bit of trouble 
like I don't know what the word is like grounding a song if I don't have the word first but that's mm. probably because I'm making music by myself like with one or two instruments right so maybe if I was with a another person or a group of people like you are in Braids or Blue Hawaii you can sort of collectively create this um, place where your lyric can then go exist well something that I find really helpful just as like a little I don't know maybe something to try is like putting on a song that you find really resonates with you um, and then writing lyrics from, from that song, like just having little words pop out to you and kind of flipping the words, maybe like flipping the meaning and then stopping the song and then going off of like maybe those one or two lines that you picked up um, and then really expanding the song like completely outside of like whatever body of work you just listened to. Hmm. That's, that's something yeah it's 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 fun like I did that actually with um a couple words in there you know that just sounded really nice and then I put this song on and kind of you know I got a little sad <laughs> <laughs> made me a little emotional got in the right mood and then just from those you know one or two words or two sentences and you can just kind of kind of flow um in, in, into something that you're that yeah that you're feeling or that you're interested in hmm and then yeah, you're just then you're able to like go into like a session, you know, whether it's on your own or with an, with another person where you like you have a poem and and you can move the lines around, you can add stuff, you can ad lib stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely made recordings where I make up words on the spot and sometimes I keep them, sometimes I don't, but it can be very sort of educational exercise. Yeah. <laughs> for, for sure. Um, that is one of the benefits of making music alone in my room is that I can like just do whatever I want and change it whenever I want and that it's I do so like crazy. I do like that control yeah it's so crazy that we can do that I know not, I, we weren't always able to do that and now it's like I can't even imagine not having that option yeah I know I, it was so crazy like there's this app called oh my god what is it called it's like Voltaire or some some crazy shit like that and it's like a a trap and hip-hop app where like you have like vocoder and you have like auto-tune and there's beat like there's a whole community of people who like upload beats mm -hmm. and you can just sing over it and yeah. it's crazy I made so many raps and <laughs> I was just like, what that is I'm sure we'll all see it? the light of day really soon, right? Well, I, ha I have actually, I have been rapping. It's okay. really interesting because I listen to so much hip hop and rap and like kind of, you know, pop rap like Drake or Pierre Bourne and stuff. And so it's just little verses here where you're just like, waiting for the light to hit the crystal, you know, <laughs> shimmering, glimmering. And you just, you just say something really fast. Mm -hmm. Um... But yeah, I'd to be born into a, a rapper. That would be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do, I mean, you do sort of, even in braids have, sometimes have a sort of speak, sing sort of uh, technique sometimes. So I don't For know if sure. that's, if that's yeah. part of it as well. It's pretty different though, if you're like a rapper, you know? True. <laughs> like if you're doing, that would be, that would be really cool. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, so speaking of songcraft, um, I wanted to ask about the fact that I think anyway that we kind of touched on this already, but that you are you tend to be a very candid lyricist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've written in braids and in Blue Hawaii probably, although you did say um, it's a little less serious, so maybe less so. But even about the um, relationship issues, I mean, you've written a lot of very serious songs. Um, and usually I would say with 
great emotional honesty. And I, I'm just wondering, is there ever a temptation to not do that? Is there ever a temptation that you feel to be more metaphorical or abstract to sort of hide away from that? Or do you prefer to just be super upfront about it all? Um, yeah, I'd say now I'm being more metaphorical. I wouldn't use the word hide. Um, mm. I think that's the last thing that I want to do in life. Okay. Um, ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I think for me, just using words and playing around with their beauty and um, their like descriptive potential and masking potential instead of hiding, I mm -hmm. guess I'd say, or just like their ability to, to shape shift a little bit. That's kind of more exciting for me right now. But I think that for me, sometimes you just, um, and I think that there's certain topics that I discuss where I don't want there to be any room for misunderstanding. Mm. You know, like if I'm talking about like climate change or if I'm talking about, you know, like, um, like sexual justice and feminism, like to me, there's not a lot of gray room mm -hmm. in, in those issues, it, at least if I'm speaking about it personally. Um, so I try to just be like pretty cut and dry with it. Um, but in like, you know, Flourish Parish, uh, Untogether, Blooming mm -hmm. Summer, Native Speaker, like um, those records are, yeah, a little bit more metaphorical. I think as, as I got older, I just became a little bit more like, all right, this is like what I'm, what I'm feeling. And, and well, <laughs> yeah. so, but yeah, now, now definitely like kind of, kind of retur returning to, to, to poetry mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, really happy with um, the words that I'm writing right now, for sure. So how did you end up landing on that? Um, I hope you don't mind me asking a braids question. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah, um, Alex, peace did... out. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's the rap interview now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. Um, so then, okay, so I do want to talk then about yeah. Snow Angel. Sure. Um, because there is sort of that i don't i don't know if it's infamous or whatever but you know the long spoken word part yeah no angel um i don't know if people have asked you about that already but how did you end up landing on both kind of composing it and then choosing to use it because it's such an audacious <laughs> choice it you know for, for that for, for i mean for anything but also just to like couch in the middle of this relatively placid song right um that's so interesting i love that you use the word couch um <laughs> <laughs> i'm an english teacher too so <laughs> oh okay great because yeah you're using a lot of like really awesome words <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> i'm taking bold risks <laughs> how audacious yeah. of me um but yeah i guess i oh alex is speaking german that's so fun <laughs> he's speaking to his his girlfriend in berlin um yeah so for snow angel that was like written right when when uh i hate saying his name but trump mm -hmm. uh was elected uh, what do you call that what do you call that again oh wait you, like, cut, you cut out what do you call what <laughs> oh what do you call it when like you uh when you when you're brought into office as a president 
Oh, inaugurated? Oh, thank you, inaugurated. <laughs> English teacher 101 here. So um, well, that would be like social studies, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so when he was inaugurated, um, I think it was like a few days later that I like was going to the studio. I'd had, um, do you know the band Snail Mail? Lindsay yeah. Jordan? I've known her. Oh no, we lost you. I'm going to keep recording though. You're back. Oh, God. <laughs> it's okay. That was the universe being like, you're not allowed to ask braids questions. <laughs> yeah, they were like, fuck you. This is a Blue Hawaii interview. <laughs> but um, here, I'll just say really quickly. So, yeah, Lindsay Jordan, I've known her forever. Um, and since she was like a, a kid, a teen, teen bopper. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so she was passing through Montreal with her band Snail Mail. She was still in high school. I think she's in like grade 11 or something. And That is insane, by the way. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. She's a lovely, lovely human being. She's very smart, um, very kind. And yeah, so she passed through Montreal. And I was like, yo, girl, like, come stay at my house. And I'll take care of you and your band. And <laughs> You know, I got them bagels and breakfast and I had them at my house and I went to their show at Casa, which is like a little one in the front row, just me. <laughs> <laughs> I was single and and the, I'm single again. I'm just constantly single, it seems, but anyways. <laughs> and so I went I went to see her show alone and I felt like it was so nice to have them there you know and she was talking to me being like oh yeah there's like this label and this label and Pitchfork like is really into me and and this manager wants me and this manager and I was like well girl like slow down she's like but I don't know I got into New York University for like um English for creative writing and I was like maybe you should take this up I was like Lindsay this stuff doesn't really come around much and she's like, yeah, yeah, I kind of figured it out. And um, so it was really interesting, like where I'd spent, you know, my whole life or like not my whole life, but like a large portion of my my early teens and early 20s where I was just like couch surfing. Mm. At like 26, giving her advice. And um, and then, you know, I took them to their car and they warmed it up and it was like negative 25 and the car was really slow to start and they were all fed and then I went up to the studio and the next day um, I slipped on the stairs (laughs) when I was going up to the studio and it was so cold and I was just like lying on my back uh, in like the pattern of a snow angel and I just felt like old I felt frustrated I felt um, like I occupied wisdom but that um, I was really worried about where the world was heading with Trump mm-hmm. and I just loved the studio and, and uh, yeah, we, we, I just wrote the lyrics really quickly. It was just kind of like stream of consciousness. And like, I was thinking about editing it down. I was like, this is a lot. This is blah, blah, blah. Necessary to have all these parts. And I was like, Oh, but this is so interesting because it's like the kind of thought process that we have with, with regards to how we're constantly inundated with information Hmm. and and inundated with like anxiety, Um, like anxiety being a a result of, of uh, the current state of our world and, and just like social media and expectation and news and fake news and 
and money and getting advertised shit all the time and people like bleeps and bloops coming up on your phone and stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, I can't edit this. It's really important that this is annoying and long and meandering <laughs> and audacious, you know, as you put it. So um, yeah, I guess like the guitars were, how do we write? I don't really remember how we wrote the song, but the song is kind of in, in, in three parts. Mm -hmm. So definitely like you referencing Jenny Haval. I think Pitchfork put it in an article that like, um, how did they put it? That I was like an overconfident like beat poet, like doing my <laughs> first challenge or something. Something something really fucking like pompous like that, you know, yeah. Pitchfork can get. They're great. <laughs> like some of their stuff's great, but like sometimes they can just like you know, sock it to you a little bit. And you're like, yeah. you're like, Ooh, should I be insecure? No, I'm not going to. Thank <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was just like, it was kind of my first foray into, into more spoken word than I'd ever done before. So, yeah, you know, they definitely got that right. I definitely <laughs> did have to be overconfident. I think that you have to, if you're going to like scream about polar bears floating away on a brick bike. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, that definitely takes a certain conviction to both perform it that way. And then, like you said, to not edit yourself and to just leave it kind of all there sort of raw. But that also that um, that push to do it as such also came from Chris Walla, um, who we worked with really closely on that record. Mm. Um, you know, he he is such a do you know Chris Walla? I don't know him, but I know who he is. You know who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he used to like write and produce for Death Cab and, and left mm -hmm. that band and is now, you know, doing his own production work and, and writing work. And um, yeah, he was just so like, scream it louder, Raph, like scream it louder. <laughs> and I remember Austin was like, oh, I don't like that you're yelling. And Chris was like, why? Why don't you like that she's yelling? Do you not like seeing that she's angry? And he was like, no, it's making me uncomfortable. And he was like, good. He was like, sit with it. Um, Make, let it make you uncomfortable it's really important to hear a woman get mad you know and be supported in that so yeah he really pushed for me to like scream mm. um so that was really cool that was really really liberating and also really scary and shocking you know to see myself like get and cry like just cry so heavily behind a microphone like I was watching this video that was circulating at the time of like a polar bear quite literally floating away on a brick of ice and it was yeah. just starving. It was just like completely depleted. Mm -hmm. It is so sad. So were you, were you crying while recording? Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I was just like fucking like yelling. Yeah. I was stomping around. Like I was like, smoking in between <laughs> takes drinking crying feeling like a piece of shit mm -hmm. like just confused like I felt completely embodied in that role that I was trying to um perform but that's also sort of perfect for what it's about because it's so much about that sort of self-awareness and recognizing mm -hmm. yourself in in your own strengths and flaws and sort mm -hmm. of like realizing where you are in the context of everything else. Yeah. And kind of recognizing like the irony of it in a sense mm -hmm. too, and like really leaning into that. Um, yeah. 
It was... Do you think you'll ever perform it live? <laughs> oh yeah, we have. It's actually so I... good. <laughs> okay. I know you've done a few like Instagram live and YouTube live shows. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you had played that or not. We did. Yes, we did. We definitely did. And we also played it at, we did like our first uh, live show like in COVID, which is so weird. Mm. Oh, so weird. I didn't so know you had done that. It was really weird. I didn't like it. Was it, it good at all though to like be um, back playing in front of people or was it too weird? <laughs> no, I'd say it was too weird. <laughs> oh no. What was the, what, how did you guys do it? Um, so it was put on by some really awesome promoters in town who we've worked with for years. Guys turned black and it was at this gorgeous venue that we've played before called La Sat. The SAT and it was in the dome so it's like in this part of the building right at the top that's like structured into like this cone this dome and they have the, the ability to like project things on the on the ceiling to make it look kind of you know 3d and like and just like you're inside of whatever it is that they're projecting um mm -hmm. So that was really special. And there are some other bands that were playing and, and we closed the night and there were all these beanbag chairs, like 50 of them that were spaced around the room and all these cameras because they were also live streaming it. And then all of these like laser like projectors and it was so quiet and removed <laughs> and everybody was spaced out and nobody was like, people were talking, but it was like, they were having to kind of talk loud sometimes because they were like, like two meters away yeah and they had masks on and some of them didn't I was kind of worried about it um because like mm. you know when people would like get up to get a drink they were supposed to have their mask on but then they didn't somebody was coughing oh no I was telling jokes <laughs> no one was laughing Ugh. it was just it was just hard and then you know what I started to have a meltdown in my mind on stage about how much money we weren't making on stage yeah. I was like, what's my guarantee at the show? I was like, oh, it's a hundred. I'm getting paid $138. How much is my sound person? Oh, they're X amount of dollars. Okay. How much loss is that? How much was the cap? How much was the food? Right. Um, and I ended up, uh, I ended up like in the morning, I actually, I went out and had pizza and a drink with money that I didn't have, <laughs> <laughs> or that I didn't make. And I question as to like how much we would have made uh at a regular montreal you know headline show or whatever for the record and i and there's something like a 620 percent drop hmm. you know and so anyways I, yeah i just had this like kind of weird like meltdown with like oh my god like you know music is already so like the lack of money for behind music and thankfully being canadian you know we have government funding thank god i don't know how artists are doing it in america especially with not being able to tour now because like you know we've had some emergency funding come in which like thank you canada council factor you know mm. all those granting bodies but it's just like it's really really fucking weird yeah and i know they have been doing more shows recently um i'm here in connecticut and we just started doing shows but only at this one place it's like a farm or at least it's called oh, a farm cool it's an outdoor thing so uh -huh. there's like a designated setup you know six feet apart all that stuff but um i have not gone i still feel weary like i don't i don't feel hmm. comfortable going yet yeah um 
and I think it would be hard, like you're kind of expressing, I think it would be hard to perform naturally, at least in a scenario like that. Well, I think that maybe, and I was like, okay, what went wrong? Like, why didn't I, why was I not, oh, can you still hear me? I just got a notification that my internet connection is unstable. <laughs> I can hear you right now. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, okay, sick. Um, but yeah, so I was like, what did I do wrong? And I was like, oh, I went into the show with like totally unrealistic expectations. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> the last shows that I played, you know, was in Paris with Alex in a sweaty basement, people taking their shirts off. And that was in New York, you know, sold out venue. Again, very sweaty, bodies touching bodies, yelling, lots of noise, lots of bass. And so I was walking into it with that kind of that energy expectation and I mm. didn't prepare myself mentally to be like okay rap this is what it's gonna be like there's gonna be people in masks and beanbag chairs and no mm -hmm. one's gonna say anything or they're gonna talk across each other in the chairs so I think going into another probably where something really like um maybe slightly solemn and um because I was wearing like a high pony and like white pants and a tube top you know I was like ready to throw <laughs> down <laughs> So I think I would definitely change my attitude and approach and just what it is I'm, I'm wearing the next time I do a show uh, right. in quarantine and, and probably for a while after. Yeah, I think it is going to, I mean, it's going to be strange for a while after too, I think. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think we're ever returning to something. I think that we're in a new chapter now. Most likely. Yeah. How we're do you like feel about that? Right now. <laughs> How do you feel about being in a new chapter if you believe that? How do I feel? Yeah. I mean, I am nervous about it. Um, I think we have a little bit longer to go in this, um, I'll call it an interlude. Okay. Um, you know, I do think, I do agree with you that whatever is on the other end of this will not be identical to what was on the starting end of it. Um, mm -hmm. But I just think, I mean, I mean, I'm like interested in it. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very curious. I keep saying I'm curious where we're going. What makes um, you nervous? Like what I don't know. What I aspects? guess I guess just sort of not knowing when this um, quarantine phase will be over. Right. That sort of unknowing uh -huh. is a little bit um, unnerving. Mm -hmm. And also just because you keep getting conflicting reports about right. when it might be over and when it's not going to be over by, and then we have the whole presidency scenario oh which is yeah, the mortif US. mortifying oh it's mortifying living on the other side of the border like it's i would think it's mortifying living on the other side of the world i mean it's oh. well the implications are global and it's it's so embarrassing <laughs> i'm sorry yeah i i unfold um with what it is that you are all going through and i wouldn't feel embarrassed i would actually feel really proud on aspects of your country um, and, and it's people. Um, mm -hmm. I think that like the revolution that's happening, um, the protests, um, I think like even the democratic party is just like coming together so strongly, like in ways that I haven't seen them before. Obviously, yeah. you know, Joe, I, I, I have a soft spot for Joe, but like a lot of people are a little surprised where they're like, really Joe is the best. <laughs> and I was like, well, he's, he ran for, I don't know if you saw that daily episode, but he ran for president so many times, you know? And like, yeah. Yeah. He was, you know, he was groomed for this. And also it's just so interesting with like 
the pain that that man has gone through, the emotional Oh, for sure, pain. for sure. And so the fact that, you know, the country, America, is in this state of massive, a massive need for healing. And then you have somebody with Joe who really understands sorrow um, it, coming potentially into the, into the picture to lead and heal the country. That's my hope. Um, I definitely, yeah, I definitely... Um appreciate that view and I and I agree with that view of it because yes it's like it is like a sort of national embarrassment that he's our president but at the mm -hmm. same time there is a lot to be impressed by and proud about um in terms of what people are doing about it and trying or at least trying to do about it yeah um you know and he didn't win the popular vote no. and that's so clearly reflected in what's going on right now oh my god yes you know and I hold on to that like a little golden nugget, you know, I hold on to it. And I, and I do sincerely think that if, you know, God forbid he wins again, I think that'll happen again. And I do take comfort in that, that we, um, you know, the majority of us, however slim the margin is, the majority of us, I think, know what's up and know what we need and are trying to steer us there. And I agree. I mean, Joe is not my first choice, but he wasn't my last. And he, at the very least, he will be someone, and Kamala as well, will be, you know, people who have empathy. Exactly. And even if I don't agree with him on everything, which by far I definitely don't, but like you said, he has experienced pain, which means he's experienced loss and he has feeling, which is not necessarily something that we can really say about our current president. No, you can't say that at all. No. At and all. so leading, you know, and that was like the one thing I... <laughs> That was like the one thing I gave to Marianne Williamson, mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, yeah. way back in the primaries. <laughs> the crystal ball. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I, I wouldn't have wanted her, but at the same time, I really did appreciate yes. that she brought to the debate that we do need a leader who leads with empathy because we are, yes. this is what happens when we don't have that. Yes. You know, empathy. and for all the faults that Obama had, he wasn't perfect but he led with empathy. And I think you see such a stark difference. Yes, in, entirely. You know? Yeah, ex exactly. So yeah, I guess just, you know, maybe try to, I would just, I would just try to challenge your feelings a little bit on, on the embarrassment front. Um, mm -hmm. I've also, you know, felt that way with aspects of, of Canadian, you know, times in, in, in our politics, like with Stephen Harper, our, sh our shark boy killer. Um, he was a, he was awful. Oh my God. Talk about like not leading with empathy or compassion. What a, mm. s a sneaky snake. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to get through it. And it's actually so interesting with COVID people have time, people have time to think and protest and people are experiencing loss like, it's just, oh my God. I think, I honestly think there's so many people who are upset um, with Trump and the state of America and how he's, and the military and this health crises. Like, you guys are at like two, 220,000 or something now, deaths. Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, I think... I think I think shit's gonna gonna change for the for the better. I think we all needed this. I can't believe 2020, like, I actually... Um, I read this tweet where it was like, um, 2020 is like a, a drunk driver that just keeps drinking oh, and yeah. driving and drinking and driving. And it's just like, it just keeps going and going and going. And you're like, when For are sure. you going to stop? Um, 
and it won't even stop in November, even if he loses, you know, it's not just going to stop. Um, oh, no, he's going to hold on with an icy grip, you know, he's going to oh my God. hard. It's going to be, you know, it's so, it's, I just keep saying, you know, if he loses, he'll call it fraud. If he wins, he'll say it was perfect. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah. no matter what will happen, he's going to go out with, whether he goes out or stays, it's going to be like, a battle yeah it, yeah exactly because if he gets in it'll it'll most it'll potentially be because of rigging you know the postal system for sure but he won't think so you know well no he won't say that no of course not it'll be perfect the mail-in voting was perfect there was no fraud do you want to start but... a, do you want to start a political show with me <laughs> you want to do this weekly <laughs> i know we could probably talk for i don't know how we even got here how we could talk for here? hours oh, so <laughs> you asked that blasted question uh, <laughs> uh, dude, your internet connection is like, God damn it. I should have stayed severed. <laughs> yeah. Stayed severed. Um, no, I'm totally, let me know if you want to do like a podcast on like from Canada to us. Like we call it like, you know, that could be so interesting too, because <laughs> so many people that I know and see online and whatever, you know, when he won, we're like, Oh, we're going to Canada. And I'm like, you can't just, it's, you're not going to like escape it all just by okay. going to Canada. Did you know that our, our website I yes, I heard about that. <laughs> As we're all trying to get up here, going up north, bring your you know, suit. I always, you know, I always kind of joked that I would go, but <laughs> my um, my partner and I are kind of like, oh well, maybe it's like maybe we shouldn't go. Like we should stay and try to like, yeah. you know, endure and like try to get us to the other side. Right. But that being said, there is probably a line where like, if too much shit happens. I don't know. Maybe we're packing it up. Well, let me know. We can try and get you here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I've I've had friends, you know, who are American citizens as well, who are like, you know, is it my social responsibility to to come back? Like, I even had a friend of mine who was considering running in politics, um, mm -hmm. like doing some like municipal stuff. And oh, I um, think it's completely energized a lot of people. Oh, for sure. But he just couldn't. He just couldn't do it. You know, like he just and finishing her her PhD and 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 they just like they couldn't make it work like they didn't have that kind of stability mm. um with yeah with the country with like knowing where it was going to go so yeah yeah well it's help. a very um yeah it's a very unsteady time yeah so even if hopefully even if he does lose it's not all getting erased you know so it is just sort of this unsure time that's a little um unsettling at times but well, I agree I think we just have to try to stay strong and, and confront it more than trying to run away from it do you think if the whole world could vote like say especially people that were like next door like say the <laughs> canadians and like maybe some other countries that are like deeply affected by the states because the thing is is like the states is like an elephant it's an oh, elephant sure. so it moves everybody feels it and we really feel it here in canada yeah. so you guys are right next to us so when the elephant turns over it's like bam right um but do you think like do you think U.S.'s influence on the whole world and impact like to have more of like international voting I don't know because then well first of all that would never happen because no one in no. our government would ever pass that ever but it could also maybe bring into question like motives I guess and I think it would be very complicated to yeah. trace and track and make sure it's not fraudulent. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can barely keep a lid on our own contained That's election, yeah. you know? 
But I do understand the point because the U.S. maybe more than almost any country besides maybe China is so global. Oh, totally. You know, so I do understand that. I do think at the very least um, this fucking electoral college should be gone. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I don't know. I I, admit. Who are these people? I admit I know very little about Canadian politics, but I don't know what the hell we're doing with this electoral college over here. Makes no sense to me. I guess it's just like governors and stuff, right? Where it's like we. You know, I don't actually know who's part of it. Maybe I should do my research, okay, but I'm um. Look it up right now, my friend. <laughs> give, me, give me. Ask your next musical question while I. Uh, okay, elect. Oh yes. Um, let me look at my notes. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> electoral. Okay, I found electoral college explained. Oh God! Is electoral- it gonna- um, each state gets a certain number of electors base. Okay, this is still like really secretive. Yeah, I know, I know we get electors. I just don't know who they are. Okay. You get a certain based on a total number of representatives in Congress. Each elector casts one electoral vote following the general election. There are a total of 530 electoral votes. The candidate. Okay, but who are they? Oh, yes, they, who oh. is? Okay, that's what it is. Mm, yes. Who is the electoral college? See, and that's the other thing that makes no sense. It's like, okay, do we have the general election and then these electors vote? but they like mostly have to vote based on how their state voted. But yeah. I don't think they actually have to. They, no, just, they just don't do. go against it. I think they just do. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. Someone's going to listen to this and send me like an InfoWars article. That's about cool. Let's do it. Am, and then but... we can, and then we can do like a, I'm just like trying to get you to like put me on like a political podcast. Here, hey, but... I'll, I'll do it. I, I I'm going to hit you up. <laughs> I'm yeah, please. Uh, whoever I was emailing to set this up, you know, has my email. So just uh, send me a message. <laughs> yeah, my manager, He's actually coming up today. That's Alex's brother. He's also. Our oh, brother. okay. Yeah. Cool. Keep it I emailed him when your internet went out and then I emailed him when it came back. Okay, great um you know what it's like masked people like i'm not getting shit here but it did that doesn't surprise me it did come up as who is elon musk when i looked up who's the electoral who you know let's start that podcast who is elon musk okay so i used to live with claire boucher really oh my god we need to start a podcast where you just tell me your stories no joke (laughs) (laughs) i was living with her while she recorded um What's that fucking record called? Visions. Visions. She's cool. nuts. Yeah. She used to be a friend. Anyways, <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. We won't get too deep into that. Nah, that's drama. <laughs> I'd get like all of the Grimes fans being like, I hate you. I hate I'm probably already going to get them. I've, that's not true. I've tweeted about how much I didn't like her last album and no one came at me. So. Well, you know who people come, like, you know whose fans come after you? Taylor Swift. Yes. Lady Gaga. Oh, Lady Gaga too? Let me let me tell you before we go because I have to I have to go soon. Oh, we're, we're we're going on forever, but that's um, cool, that's cool. I mean I could talk to you clearly for hours because yeah. we're just rambling, but um, yeah, we're just going for it. Yeah, but no, <laughs> I have to I have to go edit a video, but oh, um, okay, cool. But no, I let me tell you, I my first writing assignment for Beats Per Minute when they invited me in was to cover Chromatica, mm-hmm. and. I was like, okay, I guess, like, I'm not a huge Gaga fan, but I mean, I'll listen to it and I'll review it. And it was like, fine, it was good. So I gave it like a 60 something and I got so much hate mail. Oh, because it was, it was released May 29th, 2020. Yeah, it was during COVID. It was my first album, my first like official album review. And oh, 
they were like, wow, they came at me. Yeah, Rolling Stone gave it a four out of five, probably because they knew that like someone would come burn them down. Oh, God. That's, and you know, I'm not going to name names, but that's with Taylor Swift. Yeah. I think that's a huge reason why so many people give her really 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 positive reviews okay we're gonna get the fans after us right now. i know oh no one's God, you know what <laughs> you know honestly i'm not sure that many taylor swift fans are gonna listen this deep into my any of my podcasts to be honest they well, probably already hate me but um this up uh, the guy who did do the folklore review for beats per minute gave it like a nice review it was like a 75 it was a really well-written review he got so much hate mail so did um oh what is um a woman that oh yeah 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 uh was i for pitchfork um she gave it like an eight yeah actually and she, she really liked it and they and they like doxed her yeah, i worked with her actually on uh, my last uh article for pitchfork oh yeah and, yeah, they completely doxxed her. They leaked her address. Like, people are crazy. Yeah. Ugh, we could start a whole podcast about fandoms and how toxic they are. Sure, I'm down. What Rather, standums. That's standums, really the, yeah. That's the that's the toxic shit right there. Yeah, standums. All right. Okay, well, you go edit your video. Well, we, yeah, we, 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 we took a, we, we, we did, we did. Um, you know, we'd actually, shockingly, we got through my notes. Did we? We did. My, well, actually, my last question, I guess I can still ask it. Um, are there plans for Blue Hawaii to tour once the world opens back up? Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. That's exciting. Yes. I love being on stage with Blue Hawaii. It's so fun. Yeah. I imagine it's a very different experience than being on stage with Braids, although okay. both good, but very different. Yeah. Like in Braids, I'm like locked to the mic stand with a guitar and Blue mm-hmm. Hawaii, I just get to like, Alex and I just like riff off each other. And he says that I do this like really weird chicken walk with my neck <laughs> where I get really into it. And he's like, you just look like a, like a crazy dancing chicken. So hey, yeah, whatever. I'm down. I'm down to yeah. go there again. But you're going to have like two bands to tour once the world opens back up. Yeah. I also want to start a solo project called uh, Raphael Overture. Oh, I like um, it. So I want to, yeah, I want to work with rappers and I want to make a folk record. I kind of want to make like every genre of music. Yeah, I was going to say, those are very different. <laughs> <laughs> but that reminds me sort of of like uh, Caroline Polachek because she just put out that really good album last year. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like crazy. super synthetic pop music. But then she, at this, like as she was releasing it, she was like, yeah, well, my next record is going to be folk. Yeah. And I was like, oh, love it. Great. Yeah, <laughs> rap to folk is, is like a little bit different from like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I can. We'll see, like, yeah, we'll really see what, what overtures you get into. <laughs> well, um, Kendrick Lamar works with this woman named Anna Wise, um, who does like, she did, you know, uh, Money Trees? Mm-hmm. She does the da 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 no way. Oh, so she, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so he works with her with vocals and singing. So I just, I don't know, I want to try to get in there. Yeah. Just send them, send them a little DM. And I'm going to. I'll figure it out. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, wait, you cut out. I don't know what you're saying, right? As we as we're about to say goodbye. I'm gonna hit it up. I'm gonna hit you up about the political podcast. Let me know. Let's do something. This was fun. Yeah, it was great. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for spending an hour of your time with me. For sure. I thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your evening. Okay, yeah, you too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.